On this episode of Hashtag General, we discuss Apple's upcoming It's Showtime event, Captain Marvel, and Halo's coming to PC. This is Hashtag General. Welcome to Hashtag General. I am Logan Studley, and of course, always joining me is Chris. He put the kid in Kid Liquid, Chris Okamura. I don't know what I was doing with that. That was... Bad. That was bad. Yeah. That was bad. Um... Yeah, I had a better intro, pre-prepped, and totally just didn't use it. <laughs> Pedophilia is not a joke, people. That's not That's not okay. <laughs> no, the better intro was our binary power is we just become bigger nerds, but... That's awesome. Yeah, like, I should have I remembered that's what I was going to say. Right. <laughs> What's uh, up with you? Not you much. It's been, you know, just a normal two weeks for me, so... Right. Yeah, nothing really big to dive into unless you want to just... Yeah, you so, want to just dive in. Yeah, let's just dive in. So, James, let's just go right into tech. I don't, Like, we were texting about this. Yeah. Um, if you aren't aware and aren't the big giant Apple nerd, Apple has a big event coming up next week, or usually, not next week, on Tuesday, where it is... Um, it's in t- expected to be they're announcing like, their multitude of streaming services. Yeah. But... Usually, whenever they do an event like this, there's going to be, like, the hardware updates are part of the... Big announcement. Big announcement. But this week prior, all the hardware stuff got released by press release. Right, which is weird, because you wake up in the morning... So, Apple usually does about two to three... Two events for sure, maybe a third if they have a lot going on that year, uh, of these kind of events, right? At the the Apple compound, and and they'll go through the whole thing. Yeah. but this one's a bit weird because I wake up in the morning and it's like, hey, new iPads are here. I know. I, I, it was like, if you would ask me literally last Sunday, yeah. are you excited for the upcoming Apple event? Because I've, I've been watching the keynote since I was 14 because sure. nerd. Um, but I would have been like, you know what? I'm excited for the new iPads. I'll see what they announce. But I'm like, whatever. Right. I'm only in it for the iPads. Wake up Monday morning and they announce new iPads. It immediately goes from... Oh, I'm not interested to being like, what are they announcing next week? Right, and then they announced the other day new AirPods. New AirPods and then spec updates for the iMac. And I remember my text message to you was, this is this is like a keynote's worth of material and it's right. only Wednesday. Uh, admittedly, they didn't announce anything new Thursday or Friday. Right. But they could have had that been the March event and everyone would have been okay. So it immediately to me, it became a... What is Apple announcing? Because they're really, they're really good about keeping their keynotes to ninety minutes to two hours. That must mean that they think that this event that they're doing Tuesday, whatever they're showing off, is worth that time. Right. So, I have two conclusions. I have one that is there's a lot of streaming services and maybe something to rival what Google just announced. Yeah. Uh, in sort of a gaming market sense. I mean, I know there's a rumor of an iOS subscription service. Yeah, so let's, real quick, to give you the rundown of all the rumored subscription services, sure. there is the always talked about, because anyone, if you're in entertainment, Apple's been buying stuff left and right, and that's stuff that gets released by Variety and Hollywood Reporter. So as much as there's no service, Apple streaming service is expected to be announced. Last year, Apple, I think it was last year, Apple bought a company called Texture that does right. magazine subscriptions. So there's, that's expected to be rolled out on Tuesday. There's also been a rumored of a gaming subscription service, which I have some thoughts on, right. which we'll go into. But those are the three things that we know of that we were expecting on Tuesday. 
Right. And the gaming one, we actually do have a quite a bit of information about in terms of like pricing model and what they're doing. You can go look it up. I'm not going to talk about it too much here. Uh, but it's, it's interesting to see like it's either they have so much going on that they need to get the hardware stuff out of the way, but they're not Apple's not dumb. They they know that most people come to these keynotes or watch these keynotes for the hardware. Yeah. And so there's only one logical conclusion, Mr. Studley. And what do you think it is? The Apple car. The Apple car? The I Apple don't think it's car. happening. <laughs> <laughs> but but really like there has to be something big uh, and I would assume that it's going to be something new that we haven't seen before. There's one of this is my personal right. thought on this. First off, there was something I only started seeing last week was rumors of an Apple TV update. Right. And one of the rumors that have been going on with Apple TV has been Apple is expected to release like how Chromecast and Fi- and Amazon with their Fire and Roku have started to do just like the HDMI stick right. where it only can do streaming video. There's a rumor that Apple's going to release something like that in addition to their set-top box because those set-top boxes they have are pretty damn powerful, more powerful than you need if all it's going to be doing is streaming video. Right. I don't think that is their big thing. No, that can't I- be. But what I'm wondering is there's been some talk with inside some of the Apple tech community of what if Apple's big announcement isn't they pull like with the i with the iPhone when Steve Jobs introduced it he's like we're bringing a breakthrough internet communicator right. a widescreen iPod and it's like oh no actually it's one device that does all three I'm starting to wonder if this rumored Apple Prime that's what some people have been referring to it is what if all the subscription services, Apple Music, Apple TV, whatever it gets called, Apple's gaming subscription, right. Apple's magazine subscription, what if they are just bundling them all into one subscription service? Okay, I could see that. And I'm like, that might actually get my attention more than we've released four new subscriptions. It's, oh wait, I can spend $10, $10 okay. $20, and I get all of that, that puts them on, that makes them bigger than just your Netflix subscription. Right. So I think that might be part of the play that's going on there. I think so as well. My thing is, again, if it is 90 minutes to two hours, what all are they showing? Yeah. Because they can't just talk about a subscription service for an hour and a half. They don't do that. Yeah. That's not their, their shtick. So there has to be some kind of hardware here or some kind of big one more thing surprise yeah uh unless they're changing things up which i highly doubt because it's been years and because of of the same format the big thing is is apple likes press attention and they are masters at getting the attention they want there's no reason like the reason you release airpods which are their most popular device out right now Mm -hmm. the only reason you release updates over press release is whatever you have in the bag uh, is so big that you don't want, hey, we updated your AirPods to overshadow it to where the AirPods, the iPads, all that got press coverage this week. Right. Uh, the reason why I'm not thinking Apple Car or any hardware is if you look at Apple's leaks over the past few years. Oh, it always leaks. It always leaks, but it's all on hardware side. Right. Internal Apple has clamped down to where all the leaks we've had in the past few years that have come from internal Apple have been someone posting stuff to get the website ready and a bunch of people typing in just like 
oddly specific right. URL codes that they basically have learned, like the methodology that Apple's web dev team uses right. to where they're like, hmm, we think this application is going to be called XYZ. And they usually use this when they're creating a temporary, like right. to where basically people have found the temporary landing page and downloaded a bunch of the media and then leaked that. So it isn't that someone has the leaks from inside as much as people have found all the information right. and we haven't had that yet this year. Right. And to me that screams something big and internal. Yeah. Right. So when you think about an iPad or an iPod or an iPhone, when you think about leaks the last couple of years, it's all the manufacturing in China mm-hmm. where as if it is an Apple car or if it is something like an Apple gaming system, right? If it, if it's something like that, I don't think that's coming out right away. I don't think that's coming out soon. And I think that is still something that could be internally developed. Something that's internal and wouldn't have leaked. Right, and wouldn't have leaked. And so that's what I'm leaning towards of... Again, I'm not saying Apple Car particularly. That's more of a joke. joke. And then, like, Apple Gaming System, a <laughs> little less of a joke, but, like, still a joke of... It's something in that vein of, like, this is something new. It's something very not maybe far away but a decent amount of way where it hasn't hit manufacturing yet yeah it's i think when it comes to this event apple has talked already on the record that services like streaming like apple music are going to become a bigger thing for apple going forward which is smart which is smart it's they needed uh it's not that they necessarily need to diversify as much as they've hit peak iPhone to in terms of there's yeah. not much growth left there, which isn't a problem. They're still going to make billions of dollars a year no, but on every, it. But every, at this point, every hardware refresh on an iPhone or iPad gives you diminishing returns. Yeah. So they need to find new ways for growth, and it's going to be services. And I think that means this is going to be mostly streaming-focused or services focus in terms of gaming in particular one of the reasons i i'm intrigued is i don't know how if we've done it on the show but my little apple doesn't understand gaming rant i think we did once we did once but basically the tldr is when nintendo announced the switch my whole thing was this is proof that apple totally missed the boat because all the switch is is an underpowered ipad with controls right and if Apple had actually focused on gaming and made it to where you could have things interact with the iPad but not require a touch control interface but can instead require physical controls, they could have owned the mobile gaming market in a way they haven't. Right. I don't know if Apple's to that point yet, but some of the rumors of their subscription service, like it isn't going to be freemium games, it's going to all be games that are, were created that you could buy individually. Right. Maybe Apple is starting to figure out that they've been doing gaming wrong. I still think that if they actually believe that they are a gaming platform, they need to become a publisher uh, or, or so. invest more money in that regard because they're a lot of first-party content is what helps separate individual systems, sure. and there needs to be more effort on that, I think, on Apple's part. But they kind of... They like showing off and saying they have console-level specs, but they aren't willing to put console-level focus in their gaming development. Sure, and I, I would agree with that. I, I think that the mobile space is something that's so interesting as a, as a gaming console ecosystem. Uh, it's so saturated, and the open, the open development cycle that 
iOS and Android have, just or the mobile space in general has, makes it so that there's a lot of low quality stuff yeah. on there. Uh, that obviously they'd have to curate, but because of how both Google Play Store and the App Store work in terms of developer freedom, it really makes it impossible to curate that. Yeah. Uh, so if they did get into the gaming space in a meaningful way, they would have to completely redo their philosophy or their outlook on the app store. Yeah, they would. Uh, and I don't think that that's something that they're willing to do or something they need to do. I think that mobile is such a, a different space to the console one that if Apple needed, if Apple was going to get into the console or the gaming market, they would need to launch their own like games would have to become separate from the app store yeah or they would have to launch a a new device or a new console well, i don't think they necessarily to... need to launch a new device per se take a update the chip in the apple tv give it a bit more storage space and bundle it with a controller and you actually have a pretty decent right but i mean even then you're it's it's a it's a different device than yeah. like just having putting a gaming subscription service on your yeah. iPad. Uh, it, and that's that's my concern, is if all they're doing is, we have a new gaming subscription and that's it, then Apple's well, still... Well, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. So from what the information we have now, basically what it is, again, you can go look at more details, but the, the TLDR of it is the not freemium games and not uh, microtrans- games with microtransactions, but like the full purchase games that you buy. So something like Rollercoaster Tycoon, Classic, which is like five dollars on iOS. Knights of the Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic, which is ten dollars. It uh, is probably a bio better. when Bioshock was still being actively developed and updated for the iOS. That's another fifteen dollar game. So all of these games under the subscription service would become free for you to go ahead and use yeah. while you have the service. Uh, think of it like Xbox Game Pass, but for Apple iOS games that are sort of full purchases and something like that if it leads to people be playing more of those style of games i can see there being better game development in right. ios right, right so it's one of those things where i think apple does need to up its hardware game but this is definitely a step in the right direction in terms of upping their development game right uh, it think, just depends on how it plays out less of a development thing and again like you said more of a publishing thing of, mm-hmm. of being able to curate correctly yeah uh, but again, the curation is is the major issue that I have with Apple's yeah. approach to gaming. Like it's it's not the more the merrier. Yeah, because I know I'm super hesitant when it comes to games on my phone and my iPad. Admittedly, we'll talk about my iPad in a second. But uh, it's, I download everything, and like if it remotely interests me, I'll download it and give it a try. Which is why I have like such an aversion to this. Yeah, like I I play a lot of garbage. Because yeah, of no, that. it's more of a. I don't want to say I got burned out by garbage, but it's just there's so many low effort games out right. there that Apple's current ecosystem made it hard to find the good, high quality games in a meaningful way without having to be overly dependent on. There's services out there like Touch Arcade where they do pretty good reviews of iOS games, but the curation on Apple's end has been lacking. Right. So hopefully, hopefully this shows a change. So Tuesday, I'm now, literally, I am more interested because all the hardware got announced because 
Apple, whatever it is, Apple thinks it's awesome. Right. And I don't know what it is. Yeah. Which is like the, cons- again, I would have, I would have not been too excited just because, oh, okay, new iPads, new AirPods. Like I, I know what to expect. Uh, now I don't. So Yeah. And the be- fact that I don't know what to expect, it, it makes it that much more interesting to speculate because yeah. we've just done some speculating, but it's all with the caveat of we, we might be wrong because it used, because if they had not released the hardware, we would have probably just taken it as a standard Apple event. Right. So that makes it interesting. But like I said, my thing with the iPad, to go back to their Monday <laughs> announcement, is I know you know this, yeah. and I think we've talked about this. This is a lovely iPad 2, as in my iPad is eight years old. Um, I've been in the market for an upgrade, and it's kind of it's nice first off, to wake up and be like, hey, new iPads. But one of the things I do like, it has been for the past, I want to say, year or two, when it comes to entry-level iPad versus iPad Pro, you had a huge jump in terms of price and quality to where it would be kind of like, well, I could get away with a regular iPad, but I like all these nicer things. It's just the iPad Pro is crazy expensive. Right. It's nice that they have finally put out a mid-level product right. to where it has a lot of these nice whiz-bang features. So now my dilemma is, crap, do I want the iPad Air or do I want the iPad Pro? So funny enough, I had the same dilemma because I know you're looking for an iPad. Uh, I have an iPad Mini and I prefer the form factor of an iPad Mini. Yeah, and they released new iPad Minis. And they, and, which is amazing to me. I thought they were killing that line. I was almost 100% convinced they were going to kill the iPad Mini. No, new iPad Mini... Uh, I was going to get an iPad Pro probably next year or late or sort of maybe down the line later this year. But that new mini is But the new mini is pretty sweet. And the main reason I wanted the new... There's two reasons why I wanted the iPad Pro. One, the increased... Or one, the increased power and Apple Pencil support. Yeah. Which, spoilers, iPad mini now has all of those. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I love the bezel-less screen. Uh, with the or the reduced bezels with the iPad Pro, I'm very sad the iPad Mini does not have those reduced bezels. What's interesting though is both the iPad Air kept the iPad Pro 10.5 right. specs in terms of design, and the iPad Mini kept the old iPad Mini specs. Right. As much as everyone's like, oh man, they could have done more on that design. First off, that's probably going to be a future refresh. But the nice thing is that means they announced it Tuesday. If <laughs> Any old case like you have for your current iPad mini will work with the new one. And since a lot of people, the iPad mini has been for either the kids or for their business, not having to invest in a whole bunch of new cases or accessories is a plus. Right. So it's... It's understandable. Yeah. But again, for me, it's just a thing of... It's slightly irritating. (laughs) But whatever. It's fine. What are you leaning towards? I, I... I'm honestly, my first thing is with the iPad Air, I wish it, they, the one design change, it's not the bezel that bothers me, it's the pencil. Because the new Apple pencils that work with the iPad Pro, they like yeah, they connect magnetically, magnetically yeah. and charge magnetically, it's so cool. which is so cool. But the iPad Air uses the old Apple Pencil, which charges by plugging it into yeah. the lightning port, which is just like the iPad lollipop design is kind of awkward and clunky. And from my understanding, I need to play around with more. The feel of the new Apple Pencil is nicer. So it's kind of like I'm 
kind of leaning to the iPad Air, but I want to look at like the screen difference because it doesn't have the promotion. And I do some videos. I'm want to do some not only watching video. I'm tempted by things like it's Luma Fusion right. for video editing. Like I wouldn't mind trying something like that out. And I know there's stuff I want to do where I can take advantage of the iPad Pro. So it's like. Either way, I think the device will work for me. I just want to stare at them for 10 minutes and be like, yes, this is what I'm getting. But saving a couple hundred bucks on the iPad Air might just be the thing that wins in that regard. Right. So, who knows? Soon. <laughs> Soon I'll have one or the other and I'll be happy with it. That's exciting, though. But, yeah, no, it's it's a much overdue refresh <laughs> to my tech. I can finally get rid of this clunky 30-pin connector. But yeah, that's something down the road for me. But any more Apple stuff or t- or tech stuff or uh, no? But speaking of games, you can go ahead and follow my Twitter at Kid Liquid, and I talk about Marvel Strike Force about every day because <laughs> I love that game and I play that game all the time. So go ahead and follow me if you if you play Marvel Strike Force and you want you want to discuss Marvel Strike Force with me. Go ahead. Well, speaking of games, James, let's switch the games. <laughs> um, this was. Big news for me, the moment it broke, I don't know if you texted me or I texted you, all I remember was lots of exclamation marks. Yeah. Uh, Halo is finally coming to PC in all of its glory. So the Halo Master Chief Collection, they announced, uh, not this past week, but the week prior, is being ported to PC. That means Halos 1, 2, 3, Halo Reach, and I think Halo 4. And ODST as well. And ODST. So I don't think Halo, I think it's only Halo Five. This is going to be the console exclusive anymore. Right. They're going to be rolling it out over time. We are going to stream it. I don't know how yet. I don't know exactly <laughs> the fundamental. Like I just know it will happen. Right. Because I like Halo. I miss playing Halo. I have an old 360, and every once in a while, I'm just like, man, I want to play Halo. Right. But having it on PC just it makes me very happy. So. Uh, I know you're super excited. I'm super excited too. It's going to look beautiful on PC with when I can mess with the frame rates and and graphic settings and make that thing look gorgeous. So I'm probably totally going to play Halo Anniversary in its <laughs> old school graphics. Oh, you have greatness. to. You have to. But uh, to me, the interesting thing is what this means for Microsoft and their game studios going forward. So for people that don't know xbox game pass has been sort of microsoft's subscription service for their games uh and the main the main point is that they have been pretty stingy with uh their sort of game studios and and their their first party games and like kind of where they go so obviously they they have stake in the pc market as well so it makes sense for them to bring games like uh, Sea of Thieves and Forza and things like that over to PC as well. Uh, they're, fact, they're, sea of Thieves has cross uh, cross platform play. cross play. Yeah. yeah. So the thing that's interesting here is sort of their big mascot, quote unquote, mascot games, Halo, Gears of War, things like that have been sort of tied to the Xbox, like. Those haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, because that helps drive sell off the platform. Right. And so them opening up the doors here opened the doors for Halo and Gears of War, which gives credence to the rumor. And I don't know how much you know about this. So uh, Cuphead was a Microsoft exclusive because Microsoft Studios helped fund that game uh, and get that game on even made. 
So Cuphead is extremely difficult, but wonderfully made uh, 2D side scroller. Uh, the animation work on that is amazing. Right, it is. It is a. It is the most beautiful game I've seen in a long, long time. Um, and so, yes, it definitely. Be- and so they're bringing that game to the Switch. That they announced that. Uh, I think earlier last week or earlier this week actually and it's coming out in april then the other rumor was that ori in the blind forest which is another game of the of the similar vein where it, it only got made because microsoft funded it uh is also coming to switch so that's another rumor that's happening as well and both of those games are getting xbox live support well the thing we've also been hearing recently is xbox live support they're going to enable developers to include it in their game regardless of platform. Right. So I think the only exception is PlayStation. Well, PlayStation. But I think that's they don't want want to play nice. That's yeah. Like Xbox says, like yes, you can use it, and Sony's just like no, no. Yeah, that's a Sony thing, not a Microsoft thing. Right. And so the interesting thing here is, I know, like I'm going, I'm going 40 chess, like going deep in here. The uh, there's been a lot of industry rumors. From a lot of credible people on Reset Era and a couple other sites where people are saying that there's a huge announcement coming down the pipeline uh, and it would be like Mario being on a PlayStation console. Well, I think also the the fact that we'll talk about Stadia here in a second. Right. But the the reaction from the head of Microsoft Games in Xbox was basically like, "Oh, that's nice." Yeah, so, <laughs> it's like, "Oh, Microsoft is working on something." Well, the whole industry has. So Google's yeah. Google's the, sort of the first one to come to market with it, and I think they rushed it out a little bit with Stadia. And we'll talk about a little bit about it in a second. But uh, Nintendo's been, te- if you don't know, Nintendo's been testing a lot of streaming stuff with the Switch. Uh, in Japan, because Japan has the internet infrastructure to actually make it function properly. Yeah. Uh, so Resident Evil Four has come to, or Resident Evil Five has come to that console. Uh, Assassin's Creed has come to the Switch via streaming services. So, and they work perfectly fine in Japan. They don't work well here because we, sh- which we'll go into when right. we talk about Google. And so, uh, it all comes down to, to internet infrastructure at that point for streaming mm-hmm. streaming platforms, but. Uh, there is a lot of rumors and a lot of information to back up the idea of Halo Master Chief Collection eventually coming to Switch. Uh, that is something that is very much in the in play and, and could happen within the next year. And I would not be surprised if that happened, according to the rumors and the leaks that we've been getting so far and all the information that we have. Uh, and this sort of well, it opened makes the door. Yeah. Because, first off, there's been... The two strategies I've noticed from Microsoft is they're trying to increase parity between PC and console. Right. In the sense that they know that they, they, A, they control the PC market. Right. So as far as they're concerned, anything that helps the PC gaming market helps them. Right. And that looking at Steam, they look at Steam as an example of, hey, if we had been better suited here... We right. could be controlling that market further. Sure. So there's that. And then on top of it, there is the fact that there's a lot of, when you look at people who own the Switch, a lot of people who own a Switch either game on PC or game on Xbox or game on PlayStation, They it isn't their only 
gaming right. device. So there's no reason to look at Nintendo as a console competitor the way you would with, say, PlayStation. You look at it as a console augment. Right. And and sort of getting back to the discussion that we had a couple weeks ago about Fortnite and how Sony was the one that sort of pushed back on Fortnite. The At the same time, Apple or sorry, uh, Microsoft and Nintendo were the ones playing nice and really forming, they had an ad right together and really forming a relationship and a bond. Uh, and it, co- it all comes down to Phil Spencer and sort of his approach to gaming and that gaming's for everybody. Yeah. And gaming isn't a competition, but and it is a business, but it isn't a a fight to the finish. It is yeah. a a marathon that they can bolt they can they can all work together to help anything that further en- one another yeah anything that enables the community to play together is good for the community as a whole right and so that's sort of been the microsoft mantra for the past couple of years which is why they you know micro or microsoft owns minecraft if you didn't know and so that i still- think minecraft being on everything i think helped push this idea where they realized they didn't have to make stuff be exclusive to help the xbox that said uh all of their first party studios that they've bought up in the past year and a half are fucking insane and so the next xbox is gonna have some crazy exclusives yeah just saying just to throw that in there they're gonna have crazy exclusives and there's a ton of crazy stuff happening within microsoft internally yeah it's like it's one of those scenes where it's the Xbox One launch is looking more and more just like a great gigantic hiccup rather than like this big clusterfuck that everyone right. tried to describe and it as. With the way I think and I've said this before, I said this when it launched and I said I said this I I talked to you about it when it launched. We even mentioned it on the show. Right. Microsoft was ahead of the game with the Xbox One launch. The idea of having digital only console, having your games locked to your console, uh you know, things like that. That's they, all where the industry's heading. They wanted to be the steam for consoles, but they didn't say that, so everyone thought of it as just a big, gigantic DRM. Right. But it wasn't. It was a play to this current era we're heading towards with streaming and with digital. So they were geniuses and ahead of their time. Yeah. Uh, just a little too early, and they got fucked for it. <laughs> <laughs> and bad messaging. They had terrible they messaging They had horrible on it. messaging around it. Right. But the idea behind it was correct. Yes. Okay, can, can so yeah, I, I think Microsoft is kind of I don't want to say they're throwing their weight around, but they're becoming I say the most interesting player to keep an eye on. Right. At the moment. I mean I I think in the next generation, so when Scarlet comes out, uh whatever that console ends up being called, they're gonna dominate the market. I'm, yeah. I'm calling that now. So No, it's like even just their decisions in the past because when the consoles first came out Everyone was like, the PlayStation 4 is the better console. I think now, just looking at how Microsoft has handled itself and the community, speaking as someone who doesn't have one of the current generation consoles, if I was to buy one, it's a Switch. But if I was to buy a second one, (laughs) it's an Xbox. Right. Um, It's just because of how it is. But let's move on to the big thing that everyone was talking about, Google. Is it Stadia or Stadia? I didn't watch You've heard both? I've heard both. So why don't you give it a rundown because you're going to be the one who understands this better than me. Yeah, so Stadia is basically Google's idea for streaming service or for streaming platform. So for anyone that isn't aware, basically what it is, and again, a lot of consoles are working on it. And so I know Sony is working on it. Sony has done it before with uh, PlayStation Now, which was their service before. 
they Xbox is working on one now that we've heard rumors about for years. Switch has done it in Japan. Uh, so Nintendo obviously has the tech to make it work. What it does is it basically means that the game is running on a server in somewhere else in the world uh, on, on some sort of big server bank. And then you are controlling that server via controller hooked up to your device and then streaming whatever data onto the onto the uh, the, yeah. the system itself. The basic upsell on this is the idea that you'll be able to get full quality graphics at either 1080 or 4K right. over the internet. Over the internet. So there's a couple problems with this. The major... <laughs> the major one being the latency and uh, internet problems. Well, there's latency. There's broadband in the United States yeah. is absolute garbage. Eat shit, Agit Pie. You have to throw it out there yeah. whenever you talk about broadband. Sure. Um, and the fact that there are parts of the um, um, co- the country where dial-up is your only internet access. Right. <laughs> so obviously you're not going to be playing it on dial-up. And, yeah. and most forms of broadband won't be sufficient enough to hit uh, 1080. So Yeah, I remember hearing like the download speeds you have to hit 1080, and I'm like, I think we have some pretty decent internet at my, here at my apartment, and I think we don't have... It wasn't fast enough for 4K, but it was fast enough for 1080. Right. So, and we have fast internet. Well, the, inter- the interesting thing the was when you see... Even at the Google event, and I'm not sure what they were running on at the event, but when they're playing Assassin's Creed and he's hitting four buttons, let's go to the controller, and then the thing moves. Like that's not, yeah, uh, that's not a a good indication. Yeah, people were talking about running into latency. They had done tests apparently where you could do a beta uh, where you were playing. I think it was Assassin's Creed, right. uh, the newest one, Odyssey. Yeah. And people who had played as part of that were like, yeah, it's actually not that bad, but occasionally it would be like you'd be playing along, be fine, and then all of a sudden it would drop to like 720p. And I'm like, hold on, you're trying to tell gamers the most absurdly obsessed people when it comes to the quality of frame rates and graphics. By the way, you're only going to get 60 frames a second when everyone now is all about that 144 hertz. You can only get 60 frames a second, 1080p, and it's like you guys realize that most PC gamers have already moved past that. Right. And so, again, the interesting thing is that this is the future of where the gaming industry is headed. It it, it just is. Uh, It has been kind of writing on the wall for the past, like, four or five years that this is is it. Well, it's the whole um, software-as-a-service aspect of... Right. Computing right now where you don't you can still buy like Microsoft Office outright, but usually they're trying to push you onto a subscription. Right. Same with Adobe. It's you aren't necessarily buying a product for hundreds of dollars all at once. Right. You are buying a product for like ten bucks a month because all these companies know overall they're gonna make more money in the long run if you are paying on a monthly basis. Right. And it also it also makes it a little better for the consumers if like there's two versions of an xbox one that has all the tech in it and then one that's just a streaming box yeah that you pay monthly for 
or can turn off at any point in time where yeah. it's like, hey, I don't, I'm not going to play that too much this month. Like, let me turn it off and then turn it back on when something else comes up that I want to play. Right. So then it lowers your your cost of entry, uh, which it, cost of entry is probably the biggest hurdle well, for a lot of people. It lowers cost of entry, but at the same time, it lowers cost of hardware. Right. Because the big limiting factor isn't going to be the hardware you're playing on. The big limiting factor is going to be the speed of the person's internet. Right. And this is where, like, when I think Apple, I still don't like this decision, and I hope they change it, but who knows with their upcoming gaming subscription that's rumored, when they blocked the Steam Link app. Right. Like, this could be the other thing of the future, is it might, as much as I expect there to be a next generation of consoles, I wonder if this will be the last generation of consoles. I mean, there's always the rumor, like, we thought that the Xbox One PS4 was going to be the last generation yeah. of consoles, right? It's obviously not. The PS5 and uh, Microsoft have already announced the Project Scarlet stuff. Yeah, we know they're so working on they're, it. They're, they're working on it. Those are coming. Uh, and again, like I don't think console gaming will ever be dead. Uh, I think that right now, the way the internet works in the US, the console market can't be gone because... Internet infrastructure isn't... It's great for when you're playing multiplayer, but it's not great if you're playing the game and multiplayer type thing. Right. Well, even then, like, even multiplayer in a lot of ways, like, you get a lot of latency. Yeah. Uh, In a country like Japan, where it is smaller, it is tighter compact, where the infrastructure for internet is there, it's fine. It works great. Uh, I haven't heard any complaints about the Switch streaming stuff going on in japan and for the console like the switch where it is on the go it works it was the switch was made for a country like japan yeah uh obviously because japanese but like the it was designed with japanese infrastructure in mind and when you bring that over people don't realize like how bad uh, the internet is in the united states compared to the rest of the developed world right we have really bad internet Mm mm-hmm yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like essentially that's what it is. So, I mean, am I excited for Google Stadia? Yes. Do I think it's going to do well? No. Do I think it's necessary? Yes. Do I think it's going to be widespread in a couple of years? No. But I think everyone's going to still give it a shot. And I think this is just the first drop in the, in the, in the bucket. But it's going to be a shitty drop in the bucket. Yeah, it's one of those cases where... Maybe a decade from now, your Xbox is an app you open on your TV or your right. little set-top box like an Apple TV right. or your tablet. Right. Not but anytime it, soon. But not anytime soon. And it's just a lot of what I think it was – I don't remember if it was Gizmodo or The Verge or Polygon. It was one of those three. They're all, all the same. Pretty much. Um they did a bit where their argument was that Stadia wasn't necessarily Google's – big foray into gaming as they were trying to pitch it as much no. as it was Google's effort to make sure that YouTube was relevant still in the gaming streaming space True. because they are losing out in competition to Twitch where a lot of YouTube videos anymore in gaming are reposts of a Twitch stream. Right. I mean, they're still popular. It's still where most people go to watch it, but they don't have that market. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, trying to make YouTube integral to that process more than making Google integral to gaming. Sure. Which I think is a fair argument. And yeah, also might fair. be the reason why I, I saw this. 
I am not that, like, you know how far we've come when I'd rather have Microsoft be the big person in charge of all my gaming stuff than Google. Sure. It's like Google doesn't prove anything. And again, it goes back to the same thing with Apple where with the Google Play Store, they just have not done a good job. Yeah. To where like if Apple dropped this, I'd have the same response. Like, that's great, but I need to see more of your development of the gaming community. Sure. The way Microsoft has done where I know I'm in safe hands. Whereas Google, I feel like Google just wants to control everything so they can sell more advertising. Um, But that's that's Google. Uh, Anything more on Stadia? No, I mean, it was, again, it was pretty straightforward, and, and a lot of people were like, wow. A lot of people that weren't in the gaming industry and weren't sort of paying attention were like, wow, this is really cool, where it's like, yes, it's cool, but this is just the first... Like, people have been people, doing this for a while. Right, and this is nothing new, and it's nothing... It's it's a, it's a very shitty attempt at something that's kind of... This is Google's NVIDIA. Is it Shield or now that NVIDIA has? Shield. It was NVIDIA Shield, which is like a tablet device attached to a controller. Uh, And then there's, well, I think. Which, by the way, if you go to Fry's, you can get it for like fifty bucks now because no one bought any. Well, the Shield was a device, but there's, I think, also a streaming NVIDIA service. There was On Live, which went under because it couldn't keep up quality. It's just like people have done this and have failed because. Well, they had PlayStation Now, which was like the most recent one. Uh, which used the same service as OnLive. Uh, they used, they bought, they ended up, Sony ended up buying them and using that service for PlayStation Now. Uh, PlayStation Now now allows you to download the games. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that went well. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> it's... Ha- you don't have to stream them anymore. <laughs> it isn't that you need a physical copy, but you need to have it downloaded to your device. Yeah. And until that barrier... Or you can stream it if you want. If you want a headache, you can go ahead and do that. Yeah, but just, just download it. Just download it. All right, let's 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 move on. Uh, James, it is time for some Star Wars. Oh, boy. This one's actually going to be relatively quick. Did you see the... Basically, it confirmed the rumor you said about the lightsaber building. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we now have it confirmed that it is... Uh, they are full metal. They full are, metal. They, it is a uh, what they call a very immersive and personal experience. So they have a cast member. I don't know what they're calling cast members in Galaxy's Edge. But they have uh, they have employees that will walk you through the whole process and will allow you and give you steps along the way. And it's a very ceremonial sort of... The way I heard it is they wanted to take the whole buying a wand aspect of... Which is what we compared it to. Yeah, Yeah. the universal theme park. Because I actually got brought up and I think the... First off, the thing that caught me is the article that broke that, like the confirmation, was the OC register. Yeah, which is weird. <laughs> which was weird. Um, I mean, OC Anaheim, I get right. it, but at the same time, this is just odd that they're the one that's breaking it. But they want uh, basically the argument was Disney looked at how you buy a wand at the Universal theme parks and went, we could do it better. Right. They want it, so it's supposed to be this really cool experience so you could still buy just like a generic right in the store in the the store store. there's like the mace windu the anakin skywalker the obi-wan kenobi but if you're willing to shell out it sounds like a couple hundred bucks you're gonna go in and you're gonna have this experience building a lightsaber right 
and 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 it's it's your decisions it's your design choices um obviously there's preset things but i mean it's pretty modular from what i'm hearing uh and then you can you can go ahead and build your lightsaber out yeah which i'm super excited to do just because again i'm not a big super big harry potter fan so like the and even the wand the wand ceremony thing is really cool and really sort of like if my wife's a huge like Jenny's a huge Harry Potter fan, right? So for her, that's a huge and fun experience and something that is special for her. And so for me, this is the same sort of thing of yes, this is something that I want. This is something that is personal to yeah. me. Uh, and and again, they said that it's going to only allow a couple of people or groups in at a time. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm buying. It's not just with the lightsaber. It's it seems like they're doing that also with. Like the smugglers run with the Millennium Falcon, they're being very specific at limiting the amount of people that can go into at any not the total number of people who go in in a day, but how many people can go in at a time to make sure that that experience is personal and special and which is awesome. Yeah, and and again, I've already gotten. I don't know if you have. I got an email from Disney saying, "Hey, if you're planning on coming during this time, like, please reserve smugglers or your Galaxy's Edge." I uh, dates didn't get that email because I'm not on their parks email blast. Right, but I did see that they are basically telling anyone who has the annual pass, yeah. reserve your spot. Yeah, because they are expecting the first three weeks to just be insane. Right. Which leads more to my plan of like October, right? And I will say, I will say too, uh, if you're if you if you're not a Disney fan or if you didn't get that email and you want to go to get go to Gas Edge, how many people are going to be pissed off that they just head over to Disneyland on a whim to go to Galaxy's Edge and, and then turned away because turned they away. don't have a reservation? Yeah, yeah. There's going to be a lot of angry people, but at oh, the yeah. same time, it's kind of oh, like, yeah. what did you expect? <laughs> like, it's kind of like a when that got announced, it seemed like everyone on the internet was just like, oh yeah, no duh, right? But the people who didn't see the announcement are going to be like, what do you mean? I had to reserve. Yeah. So, um, if you're planning to go in June, reserve your spot. Yeah, but uh, that said, good job, Disney, because that's going to be a clusterfuck if you don't do that. Oh. Good job. Speaking of Disney, James, let's switch it up to movies. That was real quick with Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, it's but a then, quick. It's yeah. a, we had to throw one in there. Every, we, had, every, we had to throw that one in there. Yeah. Because the moment I saw that news, I was just like, oh, Chris oh, yeah. is right. And this is perfect. super giddy. And not only was Chris is right, this is perfect. I was immediately like, and increase my savings budget oh, for yeah. Star Wars. You got to do it. You got to do it. <laughs> um, so... Speaking of Disney, the merger with Fox is complete. Yeah. Disney now owns 20th Century Fox. It's exciting. And a bunch of assorted stuff. It's kind of weird. You could tell there's two, because I'm in both communities, there's like two different variances <laughs> of coverage. Inside the industry, everyone is kind of freaking out. Yeah. Because it's anticipated, like, people are still... A lot of get, layoffs. The estimate is it's going to be between four and 10,000 people are going to be laid off. People already started getting laid off, I think, starting Thursday. Yeah. Um, Variety had an article where they basically said if you went to any restaurant at this... So, if you're not in L.A., the Fox lot is right next to a mall in Century City. All the restaurants, apparently, at the Century City Mall on Thursday were basically... I just got laid off parties for various Fox people. Right. Because basically, they'd go in to work, get laid off, and be like, well, I'm going to go get a drink. 
Yeah. And so apparently it was packed in the mall, filled with various people from the Fox lot just drinking away their layoff and sure. pink slip. Um, so I think that has to be said. That this is, from an industry perspective, losing an independent studio is not a good thing in terms of it's one less buyer, it's one less job opportunity it's one less place to go and get work so it's i'm not happy as someone who works within the industry on a regular basis i am not happy that there's one less player or is brought in to another company i'd rather it be disney than say comcast or any of the other ones that are gobbling up studios so like people are getting on disney for doing all these layoffs uh, it's just kind of necessary when you have a huge takeover like this. Well, there's a lot of redundancies that don't need to exist. Right, and so the, it's just sort of something that's necessary. I'm telling you now, if it was a company like Comcast or something, a, a company that was a little more bottom line driven, that these would be a lot worse. Yeah. So Disney's not necessarily the bad guy here. It's just sort of the nature Fox of the Fox was business. going to be bought. Right. And I think that's something that a lot of people... I've been trying to ignore is that there's only one, there was only two independent media companies really anymore. And that was Fox and Disney. Right. And Disney bought Fox. If Disney didn't buy Fox, it was going to be, look at how AT&T and Verizon and everyone have been, all these other companies have been buying the studios up left and right. There's a part of me that while upset that this happened at the same time, I'm glad it's the media company that bought them. Right. And again, if Fox is going to go under either way. So if Disney didn't buy them... The Murdochs were selling. Right. They, if, the, the thing about this way is, is don't think of it as how many jobs Disney's getting rid of. Think about how many they're saving by buying Fox. Yeah. Pretty much. And then, so that's kind of like been the industry coverage has been like, right. woe is me, what's going on? The geek coverage has been MCU controls. Right. Fantastic Four. And I, <laughs> I think also another thing, the thing that I'm really excited about is this means that all of the Star Wars rights, with the exception of broadcast on TBS. Yes. All of the Star Wars rights are now under one roof, mm-hmm. which is good because this means that instead of having to jump through hurdles to do a re-release of, say, the original trilogy to theaters, those hurdles have just gone away. So my fingers are crossed that we actually get a full-blown non-marathon, but like an actual re-release to theaters of the original trilogy. But the other big thing, of course, is all of the X-Men and Fantastic Four right. and all that are that's now... Like, that's like all anyone cares about because of how big the MCU is, right? Yeah. Like all the end, all the end game sort of hype hitting yeah. up. Uh, Mar- like Mar- Marvel and Disney could not have timed it better to where, hey, the next thing coming out next month is the biggest movie they've put out so far. And hey, here are all these characters that could possibly join next, right? Like, yeah. it, it couldn't have worked out better. The thing that I do have to preface that a lot of people aren't realizing is we're not going to see these characters for a long time. No. A very long time. Uh, Earliest I would expect to see any of them is five to six years. Right. And so I know that's a lot of like surprise to a lot of people because it's like, why wouldn't you just use your big characters? Uh, Deadpool's the only one that's going to survive in its current incarnation. Bob Iger's already said that. Yes, Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool will it's continue. It's also the only one of the Fox temples that could switch into MCU. Because of the way Deadpool works. Exactly. Like, so the interesting thing is that 
when the deal happened, almost right away, the Disney header was changed on their website to include Deadpool. So it now includes Deadpool, Iron Man, like Mickey Mouse, and like all this. Like Deadpool has become a part of that like Disney yeah. branding, which is great. I think they, ne- I think Disney as a company needed sort of that edgy, mature kind of thing. They need like um, they. I think one of the things I've heard, and I also think might be the case, is there is a spot for R-rated superhero films that right. Deadpool proved. Right, and I think. What might end up happening is if there are any MCU films that go harder for an R rating, which won't be many, right? Because I know like they like what they're doing and they don't intend to change it. That those films might be released under the Fox banner, sure, just as a Makes way sense. to easily differentiate between these are the MCU films that you can take your kid to, and these are the MCU films where you want to leave the kids at home, right? Uh, Even though the kids will sneak in anyway. Totally agree. Uh, and and it's smart. It's like how they've t- you, they've used Touchstone in the yeah. past, right? So it's 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 there's a precedent for it. Uh, the interesting thing, though, is that, again for MCU we have Guardians three coming out. We have Doctor Strange two. We have Black Panther two. We have the Black Widow film. Yeah. We have Eternals. We have Shang Chi, which is finally gotten a director i forgot who who they cat but they that's taking us through i think 2021 or 2022 right but like look at all these films that are that's six films that we know about by name and a lot of people don't realize like how f- much marvel had to fast track spider-man yeah so again yeah it's Spider- like far from home is still coming out that's seven films upcoming that we know by name that are in development or post-production or even pre-production. Like, those are the films that we know are happening. That's six films. That's at least two years of film. Yeah. Right? Then you think of, okay, they probably had plans before all of this happened. Do they quickly adjust, like they did with Spider-Man, to include Fantastic Four or X-Men? And the thing is, is are these properties big enough to do that rush? And the, I think that's actually a fair question right, right. now. Because Fox kind of ran them into the ground. Right. And I think X-Men has a lot more leg room than Fantastic Four at this point. Yeah. But Fanta- I, I would argue that Fantastic Four is more important and integral to yes. making the MCU work I think properly. Fantastic Four is going to be first. Right. Because the, if you're not a comic book person, Fantastic Four is the first family of Marvel. That was Stanley's first creation at, in sort of what we know as the modern age of Marvel comics. And so... A lot of the Marvel Universe infrastructure, including the Avengers, including all of the stuff that we have now in the films, was built on with the fundamental idea that the Fantastic Four are around. So the Fantastic Four kind of cross-pollinated all of this stuff. Like Black Panther's first appearance was in a Fantastic Four comic. So Fantastic Four is way more important to the Marvel Universe, where the X-Men have sort of been on their own thing and telling their own stories. Yeah. Uh, the Fantastic Four have been the ones to sort of cross-pollinate between all the characters. So really important that they're still around. So. And yeah. I, I'm sure Feige's, like, chomping at the bit to get them in there. Oh, I'm sure he already has a plan. It's like, we're speculating, he already has a plan figured out. Uh, you know the moment oh, yeah. that that happened. He was like, okay, so we're going to do this, that. Oh, no. See, I, I guarantee you, they, Bob Iger walked into Kevin Feige's office. Kevin Feige does not walk into Bob Iger's office, okay? Bob <laughs> Iger walks into Kevin Feige's office and goes, Hey, Kevin, we got you this. And he goes, I got it. And he takes, he goes to the bottom half of his file cabinet, 
<laughs> scrolls to the back and pulls out a thing and he goes and Josh on the table and he go, and Bob Iger goes what's that and Kevin Feige goes plan B <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> But I, I like that Kevin Feige doesn't go to Bob Iger. No, he go, like Kevin, Bob Iger goes to Kevin, Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige does not simply walk into Bob Iger's office. No. Uh, but last bit of, um, well, not last bit, another tidbit of MCU news that made me wish I was a fly on the wall at the Warner Brothers lot. Um, James Gunn is returning to Guardians of the Galaxy 3. But he's filming Suicide Squad first. So, like, (laughs) my thing, my thing was, it could go one of two ways. One, it goes amazing, and then Warner Brothers goes, shit. (laughs) How do we follow that? Right? Or, or, and the funnier one to me, is James Gunn just fucking rushes this thing out. (laughs) So he can go back to Guardians where he belongs. All I know is I'm sure at the Warner Brothers offices, someone was cursing up a storm the moment the news broke. Yeah, and I, honestly, I'm surpri- I am was surprised that he's still going to do Suicide Squad. Well, the thing that gets me is apparently the conversations between him and Alan Horn, who's the head of Disney, who's the person who initially fired... Uh, James Gunn, apparently Kevin Feige and I think even Bob Iger were like, hey, we should give him a shot. And so he had had a series of meetings with James Gunn and they knew months before this announcement he was going to be coming back, which means at some level, James Gunn was talking to Alan Horn and Warner Brothers at the same time. And he accepted the job knowing that he was probably going to be coming back to Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Meanwhile, I have a feeling Warner Brothers had no idea. So they're sitting there thinking, shit, we got the Golden Goose. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, we're just only temporarily have the Golden Goose. Well, and... and my again, my thing with Warner Brothers is you kind of have to understand: is it best for them for him to do Suicide Squad two, or is it best for them to sort of just move on and say, "Hey, go do your, your film that you really want to do." Yeah, and we'll get someone that wants to be here. I know. I I I wonder how this is going to play out. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if they just sort of part ways amicably and then. Uh, Gun can go back to developing Guardians 3. Well, apparently he already had the script written. So it's well, yeah, kind of just... It's already ready. To, well, remember, they were supposed to start filming, like, this month. Yeah. Before all this stuff happened. They were supposed to start filming. So, I mean, it's ready, everything's ready to go. It's just a matter of, can, can they get Gun in the door? Which, again, if they just part ways with Suicide Squad 2, they can ramp all that back up again and be ready to go in two months. Yeah, it's... It'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Yeah. But moving on, you have finally seen Captain Marvel. I did. You wrote a wonderful little review on Facebook. So why don't we actually go into your Captain Marvel impressions? So, and I put this in the review too. I don't write a lot of reviews often because I don't feel strongly like I need to a lot of the times I did for last Jedi and I did it for, I think last Jedi was the last one that I did it for that I felt strongly about. Um, and Captain Marvel is this other one because I've seen so much sort of discussion about it and you're either 
on one side or the other. Usually, you th- either you think it's pretty mediocre as a Marvel film, or you think it's fantastic, right? And again, I'm somewhat biased. I have a Captain Marvel shirt on. Like, I, I'm a little biased because I love that character so much. Uh, and, and it is the Carol Danvers film that I wanted, which is how I started the review, right? It is, it is so much of what made those comics great. It's what makes that character great. And the thing that I love about it is that it gets, it gets back to what MCU solo films did so well, right? So before this, my favorite ones, sort of like the introductory solo movie, were the original Iron Man and the original Captain America. Yeah. And it goes to the idea of you spend a lot of time with that character, just getting to know that character, right? We spend a lot of time with Tony before the suit is made. Like half the movie, he doesn't have that full Iron Man suit. Meanwhile, with both Black Panther and Spider-Man, they basically appear fully formed. Right. Uh, same thing with Captain America. You spin half the movie with Skinny Steve. Yeah, like you get to know Steve Rogers before anything else. Carol Danvers, it takes it, uh, it flips it on its head. It has a really cool storytelling structure where it starts you sort of in the middle and then treads backwards. Yeah, she starts kind of fully formed, but you don't. It's one of those scenes where. Carol Danvers is being discovered, not necessarily Captain Marvel. Right, like Vers is discovering Carol Danvers, which yeah. is it's it's a really cool story structure, uh, and I really enjoyed it. And again, it gets back to there's nothing, and this is a point I made earlier of the uh, the in recent years the solo films have been sort of responsible for introducing things. Yeah. So whether it's Wakanda or like the Mystic Arts. Or like Spider-Man being Spider-Man. Or even like Thor introducing Asgard, right? Like all of that stuff bloats these films and sort of you lose the character a little bit. Where Black Panther's amazing. I love T'Challa. I, I think he's great. But the real star of Black Panther is Wakanda as, as the, uh, a backdrop and as a setting. And T'Challa is just your catalyst to take you through Wakanda. He's your guide through it. Right. He's not, it's, the story's not about T'Challa. It's about Wakanda, and then T'Challa's just the one taking you and guiding you through the world, which is cool. It's great. Good movie. But it's not really T'Challa's film. Yeah. Where this is Carol's film. This, like, Iron Man 1 is Tony's film. Steve's film is Captain, like Captain America. Like These are smaller stories. Like, no, there's no end world-ending crisis that's going to happen in Iron Man 1. Yeah. There's no, like, okay, there's World War II, which is the story of, Steve, of, uh, of Captain America, right? Like, yeah. there's no, like, okay, it's World War II, but there's no, like, the planet's going to be destroyed. Like, there's no, like... Thanos coming down from the space, right? There's nothing huge there going on. Um, where the stories have gotten progressively bigger and bigger. Uh, like, fucking Dormammu comes in at the end of fucking Doctor Strange, right? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's... Because I know... I still actually have to write my review on Captain America and put it up. But uh, the thing for me has been the fact that I wouldn't necessarily rate Captain Marvel as like the best Marvel film. No. But in, not. in terms of character introductions, it is up there with Iron Man and Captain America. Right. Which isn't a bad place to be. No. I, and I think the problem of the Marvel films is they're so consistent. Right. In their in your expectations and their delivery on those expectations that 
you can sit there and walk out and be like, yeah, that was a decent Marvel movie. And it feels like you're kind of underplaying the strengths of the movie. Right. I don't, again, I don't think it's a perfect film. I think it has a lot of flaws, but I think it's a damn good movie. Yeah. Uh, and I was, Ben Mendelsohn deserves a fucking medal. The moment I recognized his voice, I was so, because I didn't realize he was in it. Oh, okay. Until I'm in the theater watching the movie with my sister, and then I hear his voice, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, ben Mendelsohn is, he, he does Speak about his strengths as an actor, just for a moment. Oh, yeah. Go from Rogue One to Ready Player One to Captain Marvel, and you see a lot of range in him playing the, quote-unquote, bad Bad guy. guy. Because, spoiler, if you haven't seen Captain Marvel, he's not actually the bad guy, but he's set up as the bad guy for, I want to say, what, the first First half half of the movie, movie, you think he's the bad guy. Oh, my God. And the turn... So... If you're a comic book fan, you understand that the Kree turn wasn't really a surprise. The Kree are the bad guys. Right. Kree are always the bad guys, or almost always the bad guys. Uh, and Yon-Rog is a famous Captain Marvel villain. Minerva is a famous Captain Marvel villain. So having them in the film in the very beginning, you kind of see... It's sort of when you go to see Green Lantern, and you're like, oh, Sinestro's a good guy? <laughs> And you're, like, expecting the turn to come, right? Yeah. I was expecting the turn to come. Obviously, I, to- I told you last week, I I was spoiled on the twist. I knew the twist was coming. Uh, not that I- it was a huge surprise. Again, like, I understood from being a comic book fan that, hey, they're, they're probably going to be bad guys at some point. I maybe didn't expect it to come in this film. Yeah, uh, it was, like, because you know, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Ronin is Kree. Right. So you already had, like, this backdrop of the... Clear the bad guys, but you also know that with just like me as someone who is familiar with a lot of like the world building behind the Marvel comics, but not necessarily a reader of the Marvel right. comics, I also know that the scroll who are, are, are also are somewhat a bad guy, right? Bad guys on and a regular again, basis. To where I was like, oh, I guess the scroll are the bad guys. Maybe the Kree are maybe Ronan just is rogue. And right. it's just like so wait, the, nope. So nope. the thing is that I want to clarify is like neither the Kree or the scrolls are bad people. Like and the film does a great job of explaining and showing that neither side is necessarily inherently bad. But it is the sort of thing of, as humans, we are going to do whatever it takes to better and protect our people. And so we're going to do whatever it takes to, you know, be better ourselves. And so that's all the scroll and the Cree are doing. If you told a Cree perspective film... They are the good guys. If you told a scroll perspective film, they are the good, good guys. guys. And so, yeah, as a third party, you're seeing both sides sort of jockey for positions in this war. Neither of them are necessarily right or wrong in this war. It's just a war. Yeah. Which is a little, you know, it, there's collateral damage with the war. Uh, but no, the the as soon as the turn happens and you see the scroll in full comedic form, because they are sort of goofy and weird, uh... The, the line the line about you're my science guy was the funniest thing I I've seen in a long time. That turn got me pretty hard. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a I think it's a special film. I think again I'm a little biased, uh, but I, I I was genuinely uh, very very highly pleased with the film. Yeah, I think the other thing is it's. Like, I, we brought it up in the last episode where someone had taken their two-year-old daughter to see the movie because right. they wanted 
think similarly where you want this to be Sam's first movie. Right. It was an experience. Well, the idea that, and this is something also with like, say Ray and star Wars is the idea that these young women and young girls can have a character to look up to. Right. Who is just as strong and has just as good of a story as Iron Man or Captain America. And that's important. Right. And, uh, I was talking to my dad about this too. Uh, my dad has sort of this, different thought on it and he's not wrong it's uh we had a, a wonder woman versus captain marvel debate of like a better role model for women or for young girls and my dad's thing was wonder woman because uh she doesn't have a concept of sort of sexualization or she doesn't have the like you know she grew up on, a, on an island where like it's not weird to be a woman and it's not yeah. it's not different to be a woman it's not it's it, she's just a person right she doesn't have the concept of men versus women and sort of the uh subjugation of a of a woman in, in sort of in culture culture right so yeah. she doesn't have that so she kind of goes into the world without without any hindrances uh where captain marvel has all those hindrances and pushes forward anyway and fights uh, my thing goes down to like the even down to the look of it, where Captain Marvel wears a suit. She wears what a normal superhero would wear. She doesn't wear a corset and skirt. Yeah, right. Like the, to me, it's a little different. Of she is not sexualized in any way. Where in Wonder Woman, especially in the early comics, that it's like bondage and sexualization is a huge part kind of, of the a big early, deal of Wonder Woman. Yeah, Wonder Woman comics. So again. You can go either way. I'm not saying either one is better or worse, but to me, Captain Marvel is is sort of the role model that I I would show my daughter. I think my thing would just be like, shouldn't we just be happy that there's two? Oh, absolutely. The <laughs> fact that we can have this debate exactly. is, is the best part about it's a, it. It's a good thing to, that we're in this right. situation. Totally agree. So, um, so I'm mean, curious for because we talked about it last week. So, as for me coming at this as a as a Carol Danvers fan, it's the movie that I wanted. For you coming at as a, as someone that didn't know Carol Danvers as a character, what do you think of the the characterization of her character and how she fits in within within all this? I think it, for one of the things I liked about Carol Danvers is just like you spunk. get her she's spunky. spunk yeah. right away, and it's just like I like this person. Like, and that's kind of just how I felt. I will watch it. I'm like, man, I really like this person. Yeah. Like she, she does. She's not willing to just accept the status quo, right? And just be like, no, no, I, I'm gonna tell the joke even though you don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I like her spunky attitude. I like the just as you learn more about Carol Danvers when she still veers. Yeah. Just like the what she had to overcome to get to where she was, like the strength of a person before as a person before she ever got her powers. Right. It's just this is she was just great. Right. Type thing. And so it was a nice introduction to have a character and then you realize, oh God, this person already in one movie has like four level power. Oh yeah. It's just like, ooh. Like well, there is also like the looking forward with Endgame, it's like excited to realize. Oh, knowing how Thor almost took out Thanos, it's like I now you think, have two. Now you have two of them, right? So actually, it was kind of interesting too. There's a rumor that Marvel. So Marvel's sort of built the MCU around what they call the Trinity, which has been. So I mean, obviously, every company sort of has a Trinity. So the Trinity of DC has been Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman for you know decades now. 
uh, and the Trinity for the MCU, and Feige's talked about it, it has been Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. Uh, with them getting older and so sort of moving away from them, the new Trinity, the rumor is that they're building around Black Panther, Doctor Strange, and Captain, and Captain Marvel. Marvel. And so there's a lot of parallel between Strange and Tony Stark in terms of personality yeah. and sort of being that cocky, intelligent asshole. Uh, there's the T'Challa and Steve Rogers thing the of duty. Being, being the duty, the leader, the the moral compass. And then Captain Marvel and Thor of just being the powerful battering ram <laughs> with with some comedic elements thrown in, but just like the battering ram that you use, right? So, I mean, it, it's awesome. I think it's going to be great. No, I loved the, in the trailer for Endgame that came out where... Oh, where he tries to intimidate her. Intimidate with the, her, yeah. and she just doesn't even flinch, but just smirks. Yeah. And he's like, I like this one. Yeah, it's great. I'm super excited. Oh, uh, so. Anyway, that's Captain Marvel. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Uh, let's f- end this, though, on your Marvel rankings. And, of course, I thought I had included in my note the image itself. Oh, and I, have, I hadn't. I have the But image. I did give it to James. So, James, why don't you go ahead and real quick, can you throw that up on screen for, like, uh, say, like 30 seconds or so while we start discussing this? Yeah. So, Chris, why don't you break it down for everyone? Uh, okay, cool. So... I have them uh, S through F tier. Uh, the tiers sort of recognize the uh, like. There's a clear break between the tiers, so like all the S tier films are clearly a step above the A tier films, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. As you go down the list, I have them in order from left to right as well in terms of how I rank them. So this also works as a a clear ranking as well, other than just a tier list, um, but. Again, a lot of them within the tiers, I think they're pretty close. But when the tier break happens, I think that there's a clear divide. Um, the closest tiers are the S and A tier. I think any of those films could be argued for higher or lower in my mind. Um, but again, I think they're they're pretty clearly defined within the tiers. I think there's there's larger jumps between A and B and B and C and and, and as you go down the list. So just going through it really quick, uh, S tier is going to be Captain America: Winter Soldier, uh, Infinity War, and Civil War. Uh, a tier, I have Captain Marvel, the original Guardians of the Galaxy, the original Iron Man, and then Thor Ragnarok. Uh, B tier, I have. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, Black Panther, the original Avengers, Doctor Strange. C tier, I have Guardians of the Galaxy 2, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, the original Captain America, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Ant-Man, Thor. Uh, D tier, I have Iron Man 2 and 3, then uh, the Hulk. And then F tier, I have Thor the Dark World, because that belongs in the... In I'm it. surprised that Incredible Hulk isn't also on the F tier. I actually think that movie does a great job of explaining, like, or exploring kind of Hulk as a sympathetic figure. Yeah, it does do, I would say that, but there are just a lot of choices in that movie oh, yeah. that are just bad. Oh, yeah. Like, just all around But I think, bad. like, there's nuggets in there that make it a good film and that make it interesting to watch. They're, like, Edward Norton, as much as people shit talk Edward Norton, Edward Norton is brilliant in that movie. Well, that's, Edward Norton is just one of those actors who's, right. like... When he actually gives a shit about a role. Yeah, I mean... Even when he doesn't give a shit about a role, he's still pretty <laughs> but, I mean, entertaining Edward, to watch. Edward Norton in The Hulk, I think he... Honestly, if, he, if I love Mark Ruffalo, but I think Edward Norton is the better Hulk. Or he played, he played the better Bruce Banner. But... 
as the as this kind of sympathetic character, but again, just doesn't didn't work. Uh, the, a lot of the film didn't work, but but again, I think there's a lot of elements in there that that did. So it belongs ahead of Thor, which I don't think anything in Thor worked. <laughs> no, the thing I liked when you first shared this is I'm not the biggest fan of ranking, right? Because neither am I. It's super subjective, and sometimes what I think one day is going to be different than the next. Like I of, often say when it comes to Star Wars, that depending on my mood, uh, Return of the Jedi and Revenge of the Sith often get swapped around. Um, but it's to where I'd rather not like rank them, but I like this idea, even though you can say, oh yeah, it is like left to right in ranking mode. Right. I like the idea of being like, oh no, no, this is the, obviously the best of the best tier, the A tier, the B right. tier. I like this setup. And when I was looking over that, I was basically just like, I don't really have any arguments. Like I can buy each film being where it's ranked. Right. The only one that I might have moved up is the first Avengers. Maybe okay. not to A tier, but like higher in the B tier. Sure. I would but agree with that. Other than that, I like looked at this and I was like, no, I actually agree with everything here. Mm-hmm. So it's Again, I think within the tiers, they're all pretty shuffle shuffleable. Yeah. Um Which is what I like about it. Right. But again, it, within the tiers, I think there's clear definitive uh between the tiers, I think there's a clear definitive line in the sand yeah. between all of these. Uh, I think the C tier is the one that was where it starts to get sort of wonky. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I think that you could you could easily put uh, both Ant-Mans and Thor down a tier. Uh, and I wouldn't I wouldn't really bat an eye. Uh, but again, I think they're I think they're clearly better than both Iron Man and, and the Hulk. So, yeah. No, I think it was... I, I saw this and I was like, I like this idea of a ranking. Right. And uh, you even created a... Yeah, I, I, a tier maker is a uh, online site where you can make tier lists like this. So it makes it... I made this one in Photoshop, but tier maker makes it very easy to just kind of drag and drop. Uh, so I made one using all these same assets that I have here. Uh, so you can go ahead and make that if you want. I think that we'll put oh, a yeah. link in there. We'll put a link in the show notes. And James, I think think it's in the note i don't know if you can but it's the very bottom link the tier maker one you can also if you can throw that in the comments um so that way if you the viewer yeah want to make your own you can always make one and you can all uh share it with us and right we'll do something with them i guess maybe But, yeah, no, I think it was... I saw it and I was immediately like, oh, I like this. This is something that I might... think we might want to maybe even do with Star Wars at some point. Sure, um, yeah. I I only did it with Marvel because there are so many. Yeah. Uh, that it made it easier to kind of wrap my brain around visually looking at it. So, like, when you look at a list, it makes it very hard to sort of see... Uh, Parody. Right. Because you want to say, oh, this is the 10th best film in a series of... 21. 20 yeah everyone's gonna be like oh it must be average well it could still be average or it could still be on the above uh higher up tier if you have right. a lot of good films right so yeah and again the fact that like all this is very top heavy speaks to the mcu i think that again yeah I exactly think, i by normal film standards i don't think thor the dark world is a terrible movie but i think in if like we did a similar list for DC, I I don't think we'd have very much above C. Right. Then again, I still need to watch. Well, 
still should watch um, Aquaman. But I've heard good things about Shazam so far. Shazam looks interesting. Yeah, he's an interesting character to begin yeah. with. So I, I'm kind of interested in it, but it's still also, again, not having seen Aquaman for which for a lot of people I know kind of made TC a little more palatable. <laughs> I'm still like living in the world where the last one I saw was Justice League. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that's it for the show notes. Is there anything else you no, feel like I'm, bringing up, Chris? I'm good. All right. In that case, James, let's roll credits. If you like what you saw, please like, share, subscribe, do all the fancy things. If you're watching it on YouTube, also click that annoying little bell because YouTube has to share it to you in 14 different ways, none of them that make sense. <laughs> uh, you can also find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and on, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, and of course, Twitch. All links in the little credits and on our website. Our upcoming broadcast will be not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, which I think is the 7th. Yes. Wait. Either way, it's going to be if you actually stay through after James does a little end credit swipe, it actually will have our upcoming schedule. Yeah, it's the 7th. So, yeah, our next episode is going to be April 7th. But until then, you all be fantastic people and have a good one.